Welcome to the Horizon Church Podcast. God is doing incredible things in Tampa. Learn more about us at horizontampabay.com. We hope you find today's message inspiring and encouraging. Let's dive in. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Horizon. I'm Erica Allen. I'm one of the pastors here. We probably should have started with that instead of um, other stuff. Anyway, um, we are so glad that you all were here. Thanks for your patience this morning um, with the kids. I think it's just important for them to get to share with us what they're learning and some of the things they're getting to do. And it was so fun to see their bright little faces up here ringing bells and singing. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of that this morning. So we're going to continue our series this morning, The Weary World Rejoices. We've been talking about the last few weeks how we live in a world that's weary. This song, Oh Holy Night, was written over a hundred and some years ago. And it, we still feel like that line still resonates with us, right? The weary world rejoices. We've longed for a thrill of hope. And we celebrate in the Christmas story that even thousands of years before that song was written, the world was weary and needed a reason to rejoice and to hope. And that through Jesus, we had the opportunity to do that. So we're, we're celebrating that this season, figuring out the ways that we ourselves are weary and what joy and delight it is that God is offering to us in this season. So back in October, Chris and I, early October, Chris and I took our son and daughter, they were one and two, to Myaka River State Park. Um, we stayed in the rustic one-room cabins there for two nights. We camped. Um, it's... It was one of those trips that as soon as we got home, I looked at Chris and I said, we are never doing that again. Camping with a one and two year old is not for the faint of heart, in case you were wondering. The first night, we tried to stay on schedule, go to bed, like right at seven. We had dinner, like everything was just, we were trying so hard to stay on schedule. But it's this like one room cabin that's really dark, it's rustic, it's not child proof. David did not think 7 o'clock was bedtime. He thought it was party time. And he was like literally running around this non-child-proofed cabin just like giving me a heart attack. I was about to have a heart attack. And so after an hour of this, him not going to bed, I was like, that's it. We both need a deep breath. I'm losing it. You're losing it. Chris has already lost it. Emma's feeding off his energy running around, being wild and crazy. I was like, we're just going to sit on the front porch of this cabin. We're going to go outside. We're going to get a deep breath of fresh air, and we're going to try this bed thing again, an hour and a half past bedtime. So we go out the front door of the cabin, which does not have a child lock or any kind of lock on it, so the screen door just opens. Part of my fear was David was just going to, like, walk and hang out with the alligators at Myaka River State Park. So anyway, we walk out. We sit down all together on the front steps. I cuddle David in close, and I said, I think we need to take a good deep breath, David. So I, I started to inhale, and I exhaled, and I said, take, one, take a deep breath with me. And as we, we started to inhale, David said, wow, Mommy. And I said, what is it, David? And he points up at the sky, and it's so dark out at Micah River State Park. There's no, there's no street lights or anything, so you could see the stars really well. David goes to bed at 7. Sometimes that's before the sun goes down, so he's not really seen stars that much. And he, go, he looks up at the sky, and he looks at the stars, and he's like, look at those stars, Mommy. They're so cute. <laughs> I was like, yeah, they're cute. And then he just stared at them for like a good minute in silence. And then he tells Emma, look up at the stars. Emma, look at those stars. 
And we went back into the cabin, and three hours later, he went to bed. <laughs> it, didn't, it did not improve the bedtime situation, but that's okay. A couple of, we- a couple of weeks later, um, David always gets up about 5 a.m. in the morning. Um, and so I, use, I usually leave for a run about that time. So I put him in the stroller a lot of mornings if he's already up. And he goes on a jog with me in the jogging stroller. And so he's up at like 5.03. I put him in the jogging stroller. We take off for a run. We're headed down El Prado to Bayshore. It's pretty dark. It's late October. The time hasn't changed yet. And David goes, puts his hand up. I'm like running with, behind the stroller. And he puts his hand up. He goes, Mommy, stop. So I like stop the stroller, put the brake on, like come around to the front. I'm like, what's wrong, David? And he said, look up there, Mommy. And I look up. And the stars are still out in the sky. And I said, yeah, David, those are stars, just like we saw at the cabin. And he's like, they, they happen here too? And I, yes, David, they happen in South Tampa too. In fact, stars shine in the, in the sky every night, everywhere you go. No matter how dark it is, you can look up in the, in the sky and you'll see the stars. And David said, David like looked at me. He puts his hand up. He scrunches his face and he goes, this happens every night and you didn't tell me about it? <laughs> it was 5.15 in the morning. I hadn't got in my run or my coffee. I just got back behind that stroller and we took off running. I was not answering that question without coffee or a run. But as I was running, I, it's often a time I pray and I'm quiet and I think and I think and I pray and I think and I pray. And I heard David's question asked in a different way. Mom, you mean you don't have room in your life to tell me about this tiny little miracle that happens every night? That no matter how dark the sky is, there are little stars that come out every single night? Mom, you couldn't tell me about that? And the real question is, that he was asking me is, why isn't there room in our life to talk about the little miracles that happen all around us all the time? And I didn't have an answer for that. I just kept running toward Bayshore. And as I began to study the Christmas story, as I've, I've read through it and I've prayed through it and I've prepared what, what I feel like God's asked me to share with you all, I feel like this is the question that God's been asking me over and over again. Because it's really what makes us weary, right? It's this question, is there any extra room in your life to notice the miracles and the things that God is doing? Is there any extra room in your heart and in your life for God's dream to come alive again? Or is everything else leading the way? I I feel like that wasn't just a question God had for me. I feel like that's a question God has for all of us. Is there room in your heart and life for that dream that God has placed in your heart to lead the way? I'm here to tell you guys, this is the best thing about the Christmas story. The the good news about the Christmas story is that even if the world doesn't make room, even if we don't always know what it means to make room for these dreams to lead the way, these dreams that God placed in our heart, God makes room anyway. God makes room anyway. That's what this Christmas story is about this morning. In fact, if you have your Bibles with me, if you'll turn to Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, we're going to read... from that, in those, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census would be taken of the entire Roman world. So the guy who's ruling says, hey, everybody's got to return to your hometown. We're going to have a census. Um, this was the first census that, um, sorry, I 
this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph, who was, engaged, who, who was from the town of Nazareth in Galilee, traveled to, to Bethlehem in the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. So he lived in one place and he had to travel to another place. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him. They weren't yet married, but they were expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, and she placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. There was no room available for them. Did y'all hear this? She's about ready to have a baby. She has to leave. She and Joseph both had to leave where they were, were, where they were living to, the, to go to a new place to be counted by the government. Nobody has time for that at seven, eight, nine months pregnant. Nobody has time to leave where they want to nest and get everything prepared and ready. Nobody has time to leave that. Joseph's job is picking up. He's super busy as a carpenter. He's got a honey-do list probably a mile long to, to prepare for this new baby. Nobody has time right, to leave town, go somewhere else, find a place to stay and stay there for the government to count them. Do y'all hear this? There's no room in their lives. They're being, they're just, things just keep getting piled onto them. Just one thing right after another, one thing right after another. Anybody felt like that maybe even this week? I can't, there is no more room in my life for one more thing. I can't take one more ounce of bad news. Anybody said that? In the last couple weeks, I can't take one more snag with this project at work. It, it, I just don't have room for that in my life. I don't have room for one more social gathering. I don't have room for one more question. I don't have any more room in my life. Is that a question that some of you feel like you've been asking lately? I want you to read with me um, this next part of the story because this is the good news, right? That even when there is no room, God makes room. This is the story of, of Christmas. God is writing this story all over again. God's continued to do this over and over and over again. God makes room um, even when there is no room. So we're going to read the second part of the scripture. I'm going to have to read it from here because our screen just went out. Um, Verse 8, and there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. So they, weren't, they also didn't have a room. Did y'all hear this? Where are they living? Out in a field. They're, this world has no room for them. Mary and Joseph get to Bethlehem. It's time for her to have a baby. They're wandering through the streets, right? And can you imagine them saying, hey, is there room here? Is there room here? No room here. No room here. No room here. That's what they hear over and over and over again. No room here. No room here. No room here. And Mary's like, Joseph, pull the donkey over. I'm about to have this baby. And, and Joseph's like, I don't know what to do. And I've always thought, right, I've always thought, Scripture said, one innkeeper said, I have a stable out back behind my inn where you can go. That's not in our story that we read today. That conversation may have never happened. Instead, what probably happened is there's no room, there's no room, there's no room. And what Mary and Joseph, expecting the Savior of the world do, is they find a barn in the back alley and the back, back part of, of Bethlehem. And she goes into a barn and they make it into a delivery room. And our Savior was born not with her family and friends surrounding her. 
not with people bringing her meals the next couple of weeks when, she, when she's healing from this. No, what happens is she gives birth in the back alley, a back barn. Guys, if you don't think God can do something in your life, even the back alleys and the back barns, God will find a space there and God will make room. And in that back barn, that back alley in Bethlehem, hope and light and peace and joy was born in and through Jesus Christ. God is continuing to do that work today. So if you're sitting here today and you're like, I don't know if I have room for that. I don't know if I have room for that. Mary and Joseph had no room. There was no room for Jesus to come into the world. There was no more room for hope or peace or joy. There was only room for scattering around and being weary. And God found a way for Jesus to be born even in a back alley in a barn with a bunch of animals. If that's not good news to us today, to those of us who are weary and tired and who think we don't have any room, God will make room. And the first people to come see him weren't people who had a room. They weren't people who were polished and ready to to go to church every single Sunday. They had never memorized scripture before in their lives. They didn't even have room in town. They lived out on the fields outside of town. The, The shepherds were the first people to come. The shepherds who were probably dressed like that, that baby, they were probably wrapped in, in a similar cloth, right? Not in a nice baby's royal swaddle. They weren't headed to a palace or even to a budget hotel to see this baby. They were going to a barn to see this baby wrapped in probably the same clothes they wore, laying in the middle of a bunch of farm animals. And they went there, and this is what they hear while they're out in their fields. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all, all around them. They had no room. They're sleeping out in a field. And suddenly this light, this angel, comes to them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. A Messiah, a Savior, a Lord has been born unto you. He's wearing the same clothes among the same animals. This Savior has been born unto you. It's okay you're not polished and you don't have everything together. This Savior has been born unto you. He, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heaven, of heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see what's up. Okay, they didn't say that. They said, and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told him about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had told them. In a world that didn't make room for the dream that God had to give us hope and peace and light, God found room anyway. It was in a back alley and a barn, but God found room anyway. And the first people to know about this dream weren't polished people who were righteous and had everything together in their lives. They were shepherds who also didn't have any room in the world, who didn't have a lot of room in their lives. And so this is what I think that, that the shepherds, let's look at the shepherds t- this morning as, as the character we focus on. I think the shepherds offer us something 
in, in this weary world, as we look for joy and peace and love that, that Jesus is bringing into the world, even in this time of year, I think they have something to teach those of us who don't have a lot of room for anything else in our lives. They teach us to make room. They teach us to make room. The first thing they did was listen to God. It was crazy. Some of you are sitting here and you're like, I hear you saying up there, Pastor, I hear you saying follow that crazy dream God's put in your heart. I hear you saying make room for God to lead with your heart and life, but you don't know this crazy dream God's put in my heart. You don't know what people are going to say when I start telling them this is the dream that I have. This is what God is asking me to do. This is what, I, this is what will happen if I make room. For God, this might be what God is asking me to do. But the shepherds had angels saying crazy things to them up in the sky. And you know what they did? They listened and they did what they were told. People who make room, people who make room for Jesus, listen. They listen to God. They listen to the people around them. And they go and they follow. They, they go and they seek out Jesus. So the second thing they do is they moved toward Jesus. All of their livelihood was in those fields. All of their livelihood was in those fields. Everything they owned, their sheep, that was the only thing they had. And it was in the fields. They left that and they moved towards Jesus. Their fears, right? They left those in that field and they moved toward Jesus. People who make room for Jesus are going to have to make a step toward Jesus. And it probably means you're going to be leaving some stuff behind. What is it that God is asking you to leave behind so you can make room as you move towards Jesus? What is it that God is asking you to leave? They left their fears, their respect, their dignity, all of that stuff, their livelihood, their financial security, all of it was left in the field as they moved toward Jesus. I'm here to tell you folks that as we move towards Jesus, there's going to be some things you have to move away from. Some of the things that, that you that you all your worth and dignity, all those things are wrapped up in. As you move towards Jesus, you find your identity as a child of God. You find your identity in that dream God's placed in your heart and ask you to follow. You start to find your worth there, and you have to move towards Jesus. People who make room are figuring out right now, how can I move one step closer to Jesus? Maybe today it's not leave everything behind. Maybe it's just pick up prayer. Pray five minutes when, when you're in your car driving somewhere. Just know, for five minutes, I'm just going to talk and listen to God. I'm going to pick up my Bible and just read one or two verses every single day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out some way to serve other people. In, in the next week or two, I'm going to find some way to move from where I am in my life to move toward Jesus. Because people who are making room for Jesus are moving toward him. What is it that God is asking you to leave behind and move toward Jesus? And the third thing that the shepherds did is they didn't keep it all to themselves, right? They made room for others. Did y'all hear that? They went and told other people, and they said, you're not going to believe it, but there's enough room in this barn for plenty of us. You all can come see what it is that I'm talking about. There's this baby laying there, and, and we believe, we know he is the hope of the world. I know it, it doesn't make much sense. And the people were amazed, and they came with them. Because people who make room for Jesus are also making room for other people. This morning, who is it you've pushed out who maybe needs you to make a little extra room today? And what happens? What happens if Jesus moves in as you make a little extra room for somebody else? What darkness and pain have you experienced, right? Those shepherds, 
They knew, they looked at those folks and they were like, you know, we, we might not have a lot in common. You had a room to sleep in last night. We didn't. But I, we know what weary looks like and you look weary. I'm here to tell you there's a reason to rejoice. Let's, let's move towards Jesus. What does it look like for you to have that conversation with somebody who may be weary and needs to move toward Jesus? How are you going to make room over the next couple of weeks for other people? Because people who are making room for Jesus make room for other people, even if they're not exactly like you. When Chris and I lived in East Nashville, about eight blocks from our house, there was a guy named Bama. He was called that because he was a huge University of Alabama football fan. And he, did not, he, was, he was experiencing homelessness. He and his wife, Stacy, lived in a Jeep. They sold a newspaper in Nashville. It's illegal for you to ask for money on the street. So, you sell, so the homeless community got together. They created a newspaper, and they sold them for a dollar apiece on a street corner. And on the corner of 14th and Eastland, every single day, Bama stood out. Sun, rain, cold, hot. He was always out there smiling and waving. You had to stop at this four-way stop sign, and he knew and waved at everybody. No matter what kind of day he was having, he smiled and waved. And before long, Chris and I began rolling our windows down, and it was more than buying a newspaper. We were beginning to have a conversation and form a relationship and a friendship with Stacy and Bama. In fact, Stacy and Bama came to the church that we started in East Nashville. They came a couple times. They invited other people to come. They introduced us to their friends, connected us to folks in the community. We loved them very much. And one day, as things fell apart in mine and Chris's life. Our, our church wasn't doing well. It was clear it wasn't going to make it. Chris was having some trouble with his jobs. Our dreams of, of growing a family at that time weren't coming true like we expected. We'd had a, like a really crummy couple of weeks. And, and Bama, like, I, I saw him on the street corner. I was like, I just don't want to deal with him today. I just want to go do what it is I have to do. And, and you know, Bama, he knocks on my, my passenger side window. And I roll my window down. And he said, Erica, I have good news. Eight years, Stacy and I have slept in our Jeep, and, and we have housing. And in two weeks, we're going to move into an apartment. And y'all, I'll just be honest, I've worked around folks who are homeless or coming out of prison enough to be like, yeah, right. Like, that's what you said, but there is a million things that can go wrong in that two weeks. And I'll just be honest, y'all, I didn't have room in my life to deal with this. I was deal Chris and I, our jobs were on the line. We were dealing with our own, like, crummy mess, and I did not have time to deal with or figure out or even help them get into housing. And I didn't want to, I just didn't want to deal with it. And I was like, congratulations, Bama, that's great. And he's like, when, when we get into our house, you and Chris are coming over and have dinner with us. And I was like, okay, okay, that's great. Two weeks later, things are not any better in mine and Chris's life, and I get a text message from Stacy, his wife, and she says, we're moving into our apartment tomorrow. It was a Thursday. She said, why don't you come by on Friday for dinner? And I said, okay, we can come by for dinner. And so I, I texted, I said, what do you want me to bring? She said, you bring pizza, I'll have salad and tea. I was like, this sounds great. Friday rolled around, and have you ever been like, why did I make plans for Friday night? Like, all I want to do is sit on my couch and watch TV. Like, I don't want to go have supper with these folks who just moved in to their home. And so I told Chris, I was like, can we just cancel on them and, like, go some other time? And Chris is like, you can cancel, but I'm going to have pizza and salad with <laughs> Stacy and Bama and celebrate that they're in their new home. And I said, all right, we're, we're going. Um, so we drive to their apartment, and we get out. With, I order the pizza 
we get out with the pizza, we walk in, and y'all, in their, their apartment, there, was, there were three things in there. There was the dining room table that was like fourth hand that one of his clients said he sold newspapers, had given him with four chairs around it, and there were two pictures on the wall. Chris and I are huge Gator fans, and Bear Bryant and Nick Saban were hanging on the wall above where the, co- where the couch was going to go. And Chris was like, this is like... Even, like, I'm glad you're in this house, but can we put the pictures on the floor for a second? No, he didn't say that. So uh, Bear Bryant and Nick Saban watched us eat the first dinner in the home with Stacy and Bam. I have a picture of us eating dinner together. I, can, I still, when I eat a salad with ranch dressing, I think about the ways that they recognized that we were weary and in despair. Because at that table, Stacy said, are y'all, are y'all doing all right? And we said, nope, we're not. We didn't have a lot in common, but we all knew what it was like to be weary. And at that table right there, Jesus made room for hope and light and peace. Because some other folks opened up a home when all they had, literally all they had, was a dining room table and Bear Bryant and Nick Saban pictures in their house. This is how it works. Listen to God move toward Jesus and look what happens when they made room for us in their home when we were desperate and hopeless and weary and we experienced joy and delight in that moment we got to celebrate with them that they were in housing we would go back home to our house that had a couch and a tv and all the things dining room tables and beds and mattresses all those things we didn't have a lot in common but we made room for each other And Jesus made room for hope and light and peace. This year, we can keep rushing through this Christmas story. We can keep rushing through our Christmas gatherings. We can keep going to Christmas programs. We can keep ticking the things off the list. Or we can know this, that in the back alley and back corner of your life, there is a God who wants to make room in Jesus Christ in your life. And it will change everything. It will change everything everything. Don't move through this Christmas season without letting Jesus into that room in your life. Imagine what God could do in your life if we made a little room. Look what God does in a world that made no room. Thank you for listening to the Horizon Church Podcast. If you are in the Tampa area, consider joining us one Sunday. You can also be a part of Shining Light and Igniting Change by financially supporting the ministries of Horizon Church at horizontampabay.com giving. Thank you again for joining us.